Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. Whether you're a long-time listener or first-time, five-star reviews are lovely. And I just might read yours on the air. How about that? Um, A lot of big things happening. Uh, One of the biggest is um, I have a book coming out. It's titled That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, and it's going to be published by Bombardier Books, Post Hill Press. So that's coming out later this year to stay up on release dates and all that. Please check out my newsletter at theluperez.com, and you can also join my community at theluperez.locals.com. If you haven't been on Locals yet, uh, if you join up, you get to listen to my podcast early. You'll get to watch my sketch comedy early. And also you have access to exclusive content and me. If you're looking for other ways that you can support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. If you're into CBD products, please check out PalomaVerdeCBD.com. And if you use promo code Lou, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you're into cold brew, check out Black Organic Cold Brew www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code Lou for free shipping. All right. I think that's about it. Let's go. I'm very happy to be joined by Jen Monroe. You might know her as that Jen Monroe. Monroe. Oh my God. I already fucked up. I'm so sorry, Jen. (laughs) That Jen Monroe over on Twitter. Um, she also has a, a sub stack and um, this is something I'm really interested in hearing about. Um, you have a, a new podcast that, that you're doing uh, ambitious crossover attempt. Um, so why don't we, you know, why don't we start there? Can you tell us about, about your podcast? We'll get the plug in early on. Sure. And as far as mispronouncing people's names, I mispronounce my co-host name all the time because I just cannot pronounce his name correctly. Mm. <laughs> He forgives me, though. Um, yeah, it's Ambitious Crossover Attempt. It's me and Noam Blum. Um, you know him as Neon Taster on Twitter. And we have a podcast. We just put out episode two. So technically, there's three episodes out as of this recording, episode zero, one, and two. And basically, the concept is kind of discussing these sort of Twitter trends of the week, the sort of news trends of the week, and how things kind of cross over, like streams kind of cross into each other and kind of how everything ends up as like kind of like a big mismatch and just kind of like sorting through it. And just because we are the way we are, there always ends up being tangents and off topic conversations because this is just who we are. But yeah, that's our, that's our new project now. Yeah. Well, well, for anyone who is, you know, uh, hearing about you for the first time, uh, I got to say that Jen is one of my favorite follows on, on Twitter. And I think, and I I think part, uh, part of it is, uh, you're so uh, insightful and level-headed with uh, with the way that you approach things. Where um, it's sort of like I, I feel like there isn't a lot of that. Like there's a lot of extremes on mm-hmm. on Twitter, and and I'm guilty of it myself. Especially especially if I'm going for jokes, you know, then I'm gonna you know take sort of like a an extreme you know sort of angle on it. Uh, but I think you do a really great job of just kind of parsing. Uh, reality and from bullshit. And, um, and while I, I, and and I look forward to, if you continue that with your podcast, I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to, uh, to hearing that for sure. 
Oh yeah, we definitely plan on continuing and thank you for the praise. I, I try, I try. I know, I know how the Twitter game is played. I know what you have to do for likes and retweets. I just don't want to do it because I have a soul <laughs> <laughs> and I have to look at myself in like the mirror every day. So, you know, I just kind of try to keep it somewhat sane and authentic to myself and how I feel and kind of what I'm thinking instead of trying to like chase clout and try to get clicks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Like what is, uh, I guess one thing that I find is, uh, especially when you see like anonymous people online on, on Twitter in, in particular, so many of them, it's like, you know, you're anonymous. You could have chosen to be the most interesting person in the world. And yet you've decided to just kind of be, you know, I guess an NPC sort of thing where, I mean, the one thing is if I was anonymous, I mean, I would definitely be, I, I would definitely approach everything. Like I was a lot better looking than I am like that. That would be the first thing you know, I would just have so much swagger and just kind of, <laughs> just kind of, kind of go that route. But it? I think it's, who is it? Scott Greer that has in his, his little Twitter, like actual name, his height and his IQ. Mm. <laughs> You could be that guy. I could be. I could be that guy, or pretend <laughs> to be that guy, and I think that would be the uh, uh, the way to go. So, what is um, you know, what's been, uh, you know, every day there's something happening on Twitter, but you know, what, what's been the thing that that has kind of been, you know, been um, uh, eating up all your attention? Where 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 are you at today, or at this moment? Well, we are coming off the first week of the year at this point, and obviously. Mm. We had the one-year anniversary of the 1-6 riot, peaceful protest, insurrection, whatever you prefer to call it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we had the, the commemoration of that in that bizarre Hamilton crossover with the 1-6 anniversary. And I'm not entirely sure where they were going with that. I didn't Did you, get to. I didn't get to watch it. No, I, I heard about it. And what was it like? Was it an actual scene from Hamilton? No, it was during <laughs> the. <laughs> well, this is all via Zoom too, because you know oh, you right. can't do things in person. Um, for some reason, Nancy Pelosi just kind of threw it to Lin Manuel Miranda, who gave this kind of mushy statement, and then the cast members from Hamilton came and sang a song from Hamilton, yeah. and. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, what? I yeah. thought this was supposed to be like akin to 9-11. And now we're having a musical interlude. I'm very confused. I don't know what's going on here. Well, you know, what makes it weirder. I, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, there was some controversy some years back with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, where he uh, attended a performance of Hamilton in Chicago Mm -hmm. with a um, a member of a Puerto Rican terrorist group that had recently been either pardoned or or released. I think of, I think it's is um was it uh, Oscar Lopez, I believe was the uh, mm -hmm. was the member. So it was um the yeah Oscar Lopez Rivera and he was a um, a member of the Fuerzas Armadas de Liberación Nacional Puerto Ricana um Fallon and um he spent, you know, decades in jail because of terrorist activity, you know, planting bombs all over the place and uh, trying to win independence for, for Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the, one of the bombs, and I forget which, what role he played in it, but one of the bombs was placed in a, in a restaurant. It killed, I believe at least one policeman and wounded oh, like okay. maybe a few other people. Yeah. And 
you know, a lot of people don't don't know about that. And there was, you know, Lynn Manuel Miranda saying, uh, you know, we respect you and love you so much that here's a ticket to the hottest uh, hottest musical in town, <laughs> and you're gonna be, I'm gonna be your date. And it's funny that you know you sort of juxtapose that where like, oh, so if you're you know bombing the the uh, the capital or trying to do something like that to overthrow the U.S. government to win independence for Puerto Rico, that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're uh, one of the one you know people on one six doing it, then you know we're not about that. Yeah, kind of a weird choice of date there, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> Was there nobody else you could ask? Nobody? Yeah, yeah. Nobody in Chicago? Did you did you ever see Hamilton? Did you ever see mm, the actual play? No, because and, and this is my own personal tendency, once something gets hyped too much, I'm mm. not doing it. So, yeah. I'm not watching Hamilton. I don't want to watch Hamilton. I don't like musicals. So, no, I'm not <laughs> watching Hamilton. <laughs> we uh I, yeah, I I got to see it definitely at the uh the height of the hype. And mm-hmm. I got to say, I got to be honest, it lived up to it. Um, they were doing a lot of things on stage that I was really blown away by. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little long. I felt like uh, kind of an old man towards the end. I was like, look, uh, shave 30 minutes and, and we'll be good. Uh, but I, I had a friend of mine who actually reminded me uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, um, we were driving back from a, uh, I think it was like an open mic. And he had uh, the recording of, of Hamilton. He was playing it in his car and he reminded me uh, uh, not too long ago that I made fun of it the first time I heard it in the car. So it was like without any context of it, you know, without actually seeing it live, I actually made fun of it. So I have that, uh, you know, going for me that it was a cor- that I thought it was a corny thing mm-hmm. to start. Yeah. But yeah, just I I have no desire to see it, and it was just a weird, weird thing to throw in there. And then of course you had Ted Cruz's apology. For, for calling them terrorists, which he's been doing ever since 1-6 of 2021, but apparently now it's a problem. So he had to go on Tucker and apologize and do this long tweet thread. And it was just almost almost embarrassed for Ted Cruz. I almost mm-hmm. feel bad for him, but not really. Nah. Well, yeah, what, what what is up with that? You know, just sort of, are there any, does anyone do like genuine apologies anymore? Are there any genuine ap- uh, uh, apologies out there? I, <laughs> I would say probably 85% of them are performative, but hmm. even the ones that are sincere, they're not going to be accepted in good faith anyway. So it's almost to this point where like, do you even bother? Like, do you even address this in public? And then. And at a certain level, like you have to, but then it's like, is there really any point because nobody's going to take this seriously and everyone's still going to trash you for it anyway. Mm. So yeah, that's pretty much where Ted Cruz ended up. He did this long apology for like, I wasn't calling everybody a terrorist, just the people that were attacking cops and everyone's just like, oh, you shut up. Like, just <laughs> go away. Just to stop talking, please. I've, I've been enjoying um, a little, a little troll where, uh, uh, I basically treat any um, any criticism of Ted Cruz as uh, anti-Hispanic racism. <laughs> so, so I so I go you know so I I go at people with that, and I'm like, here they are trying to take down you know yet another Latin symbol of masculinity, and they're coming at them you know because they're, they're trying to take away our people and all that. Latinx, 
Yes. Latinx. Yes. La, the Latinx. He's uh, Latinx. <laughs> this Latinx know. man is being attacked. Right. Right. Well. Well. That, well. That's. I mean. Part of our. You know. Part of our reasoning behind it is just to. You know. Just show. Just how ridiculous identity politics is. It's like if you don't think it's silly, just imagine if every single time someone criticized Ted Cruz, you were <laughs> charged with being a racist, <laughs> as opposed to like you know having. Uh, you know having legitimate opinions uh, on the guy. Yeah, you're racist against half Hispanic Canadians. <laughs> yeah, did we, did we ever figure that out? Like what I, I remember there was a whole there was a whole thing of uh, whether or not he was uh, he was eligible uh, to even run for president. To the best of my knowledge, he does have American citizenship. I think he ended up renouncing his Canadian citizenship and becoming a US just doing straight US citizenship when he did decide to run. So I don't think he has any Canadian citizenship anymore. But yeah, he was born in Canada, but his parents were American. You know how that whole thing goes. If your parents are American, you're born abroad. You're technically considered American, but you're also Canadian because you're born in Canada. Oh, wow. Dual citizenship, fun stuff. Fun stuff, the, the dual citizenship. Um, talking about like, you know, apologizing. I think, you know, we all remember when, uh, you know, on the campaign trail when Trump, uh, well, I, I think he was on stage actually. Did, didn't he, was it on, was he on stage with Ted Cruz when he accused Ted Cruz's dad of being a part of the JFK assassination? <laughs> I forget if he was on stage with him or not, but I mean, there was that, there was him basically saying Heidi Cruz is ugly. <laughs> mm. Like you called the man's wife ugly. You said his dad killed JFK. And but here he is now. I'm in, and it actually, I was reminded the other day. Um, I think Ted Cruz was one of the ones who was trying to kind of plan the idea of sort of hijacking the 2016 convention and basically like freezing Trump out and making sure that he did not become the nominee at the convention, which obviously that didn't happen because there was. I mean, technically, there's a mechanism for doing that, but nobody's going to do that. Yeah, I remember there was something like it wasn't like, he didn't give like an official endorsement. It's like mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't say the words, you know, ex, you know, explicitly, I endorse Donald Trump for, for president. Yeah, Such it's, a weird it's weird. shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, it's weird to think back to 2015, 2016 and how many people hated Donald Trump and hated the idea of him being the nominee and said so publicly. But mm -hmm. then once it obviously became that he's going to be the nominee, all of a sudden everybody is like, oh, Donald Trump is great. I love Donald Trump. Like, didn't you just hate him 15 minutes ago? Yeah. I, I got to go um, to both the RNC and the DNC uh, at the time. It was my first time ever um, mm -hmm. going to something like that. I'm not a, I'm not a particularly political uh, person. And uh, it was my first time in Cleveland at the RNC. And I noticed that it, you know, overall, it was like a really kind of like celebratory vibe. Everybody, you know, was would seem to be getting along. You know, whereas the DNC, on the other hand, was nuts. It 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 felt like kind of a civil war was brewing outside in in Philadelphia, um, and it was so hot and just it it, it was so, the stadium was so out of the way, and there were fences that were up yeah. there was there was a symbolism there that was that. tough yeah yeah i remember that because i remember that the the facility was far away from everything like far away from the hotels and everything so they were having like bus people in and it was just super high security and all that stuff and then of course you also still had you know the bernie faction still fighting mm -hmm. the biden faction and there's all that going on but 
I would like to go to a DNC and RNC one day. I've not had a chance to go yet. And I don't, I mean, I guess we'll see for 2024. Who knows? Yeah. But. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm already dating myself. Like, oh, yeah, I, for me, yeah, that was uh, when uh, when Trump won. The first, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, back in 2016. In 2016. That's when I Yeah, I haven't been. Did, I'm, I'm, oh, my God. I'm already forgetting if they even did RNCs or DNCs uh, this year around. They were virtual. The virtual ones, right? They were both virtual. Oh, my God. So I remember I actually watched them because this is – this is the hell I put myself through. I actually <laughs> sat there and watched the the Zoom meeting versions of the DNC and the RNC. There was something. Yeah. What, 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 any Hamilton? Any Hamilton songs come up on that? You know what? I'm thinking Lin-Manuel Miranda did actually speak at the DNC. If memory serves, he did. Mm. Um the RNC was the one where you know you had the Melania speech. You had the infamous, infamous Kimberly Guilfoyle speech. Oh, which one was that? Oh, you've never seen it? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's great. It's there's questions as to her sobriety because we kind <laughs> of, um, it, it it just kind of keeps building throughout the speech until we get to this very large crescendo that makes you wonder, like. Is it Adderall? Is it cocaine? <laughs> what is it? It's something, but we don't know what it is. Apparently, you could snort both, right? You I, I, I guess so. I've never done Adderall. Yeah. Um, uh, what are what are some other uh, topics um, I uh, that you know that have been hitting for you? Um, uh, I think. Uh, well, you did some coverage uh, on your Substack about uh, Loudoun County. Right, the the school district mm-hmm. and what what's happening there. Can you and and I think that's that it is like a perfect example of the type of uh, issue where it's like, okay, guys, if you want to figure out what's going on, check out what Jen has to say about it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I ended up writing for my Substack, and I also wrote for Arc Digital on that. Um, that situation was one where it was originally broke by the Daily Wire. Because nobody else really wanted to touch this story because it involved transgender youth, transgender high schoolers. And it was a situation where there was this one particular high schooler. um, He presented as female. He was living as female, went into the female bathroom and sexually assaulted a student there. Um, Ended up getting transferred to another school where he allegedly assaulted another student there. And it ended up being this very kind of murky thing where the the student in question, the, the first girl that he sexually assaulted, apparently they had some kind of sexual relationship, but this was not consensual sex. And he wasn't, or he, she, whatever, I'm still confused on the pronoun thing. Mm-hmm. They, we'll just go with they. They weren't in the bathroom just kind of like hanging out, waiting to prey on someone, but they were invited by this girl to hook up. But then she decided that they weren't going to hook up that day. Anyway, it ended up being this whole thing. But the controversy came out where it was kind of a twofold thing where nobody else was really wanting to touch this story. And it kind of popped off because at a school board meeting in Loudoun County, uh, the parents of the first girl that was sexually assaulted confronted the school board. And when you see the video, you can kind of clearly 
hear the mom saying that my daughter was sexually assaulted and this is the one where the dad got into an altercation with other people at the school board meeting ended up getting tackled and called out by cops. And so that ended up being a whole really bad optics thing because it really being tackled by cops was not necessarily necessary at that particular Mm -hmm. moment. And then it also came out that it was kind of looking like the school board was trying to just cover the whole thing up by just saying that, no, there was no sexual assault that happened, but then obviously there was, and then it became public and it just, it turned into just a whole mess. And the whole reason it turned into a mess is because it involved a trans kid. It involved a a trans kid in high school, underage, obviously. And that is an extremely sensitive topic that a lot of people don't want to touch for very obvious reasons. But also there's kind of this, you don't really want to report on that story because there's a transgender kid involved and because there's, there seems to be this feeling within the trans community. And you kind of see this also around the conversation around like detransitioning and everything that to address certain issues, even if they're just individual one-off issues that you're giving the other side ammunition to use against you as an entire group, which it, it strikes me as kind of ridiculous because, I mean, anti-trans people are going to come up with something to say no matter what. It doesn't matter what you say or do. They're going mm-hmm. to say whatever. So you might as well go ahead and address the issues within your own movement. And plus, you kind of like there was a feeling that this kid was going to kind of get a pass on all of this until it became this very public situation and right wing media latched onto it and it kind of blew up in their faces. And so. Yeah, it was like if this was just a standard, just regular cisgender boy attacking a cisgender girl in the bathroom, then yeah, that would have been a story that would have been covered because nobody would have been afraid to touch it. Mm-hmm. But because there was these questions of, okay, and that, that that was the other thing is not at the time of the sexual assault, but after that, Loudoun County did actually put a, a policy in place that students could use the bathroom of whatever gender they identify as. So obviously if you are identifying as a female, you'd use the female bathroom. If you identified as male, you'd use the male bathroom. And so you kind of had that on top of this particular situation, which equaled in a lot of people's mind that like that fear that predators are going to start being in the women's bathroom, waiting to rape women under the guise of being trans women, which I mean, that's, a completely overblown threat, but it's there. And then you have a story like this that everybody can hold up and say, aha, but it's like, not really. This is one really weird situation that just got weirder. The more we started covering it. And I think basically it just kind of ended off as, all right, this situation was a little more murky than originally presented and everybody just kind of dropped it. Yeah. I'm it. It's one of those things where uh, it's like, I know that this thing happened, but I haven't looked into it deeply enough. So for me, all I all I knew was it was uh, a trans kid uh, sexually assaulted another student. And then that that's all that's all I knew about Mm -hmm. it. And then and then as more and more details come out, like you said, it does get a little murky. It does get really, uh, really weird. And I wonder if this thing happens when you talk about, you know, minority communities where it's something like, I don't know if it's because 
they are minority communities where sort of like one, uh, you know, one bad apple, if you will, ends up Mm -hmm. sort of kind of defining the, the community at large. But then it's like, if you're not willing to address that bad apple and, you know, push that bad apple out, then you're kind of playing into that, to that same game, uh, Mm -hmm. into that, um, I don't know, you're playing the game, I guess, you know, going along with it. Yeah, you're kind of picking and choosing what you want to highlight, not based on the newsworthiness of something or whether it is something we're talking about. You're choosing based on, is this story, is this piece of information going to give the other team ammunition against my team? And that's not how you should be picking and choosing what it is you choose to cover or what it is you choose to accept within your movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what else was going on in Loudoun County too? Because um, then, you know, I start, you know, seeing clips of like um, uh, Nicole Hannah, Hannah Jones uh, talking about uh, racism in the County. And then you have the whole, uh, what's it? The, the governor's race and, and all that. And, it's like I'm I'm in New Jersey. Like th- this is I'm learning. I'm spending way too much time hearing about a state that I have nothing to do with. Like what the what the hell is going on? Like it, it started from like this real you know a sexual assault, and then it goes into like CRT and and all this stuff. Did did you dig into that at all? Well, the thing about Loudoun County is it is very wealthy mm-hmm. and it is very progressive, which is how you end up with these sorts of policies. I mean in the first place for lack of a better term there. But so it it kind of became like this little microcosm and it was going on during the Virginia gubernatorial race, which then played into that, which they made CRT into this thing in that race where, I mean, I don't think Loudoun County was ever really addressing that. I don't know entirely. It wasn't kind of part of the scope of this particular story. But it all kind of fed into like this particular right wing narrative of the wokes are trying to ruin your children mm-hmm. through promoting transgenderism and promoting CRT and promoting cultural Marxism and whatever else they want to call it this week. So it kind of came mashed into this like larger ball that kind of like was formed into this particular narrative in order. I mean, it's not. I mean, I'm not going to say Youngkin pushed it because he actually managed to stay pretty, pretty out of that, which was probably to his best. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just it it all became like this whole mess. And then you had guys. I think Matt Walsh was trying to somehow establish residency in Virginia, even though he doesn't live in Virginia, so that he could go to school board meetings. And basically show his ass and basically make content, if we're being honest. And yeah, it just became this whole kind of micro cause within a larger cause. And like, and that's how things kind of end up nowadays is like everything just kind of gets mashed all together into like a little package narrative that you can kind of like push out easily to people. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know if I'm the one to coin this, but critical race transgenderism <laughs> might be the might be the next one. I remember. Well, I, I'm probably not the first one because I remember seeing headlines for articles that said that uh, anti-trans, uh, if you're anti-trans movements have a, uh, they start out in like white supremacy and stuff somehow. 
Everything um, starts out in white supremacy. I mean, I mean, I mean, white supremacy <laughs> at this point is basically gravity. You know, it's just it's it's a it's a force of nature that explains everything. Yeah. I, now, now we're accusing NPR of white supremacy, which I. Oh, please tell been, me. Can can you tell it, me about that? <laughs> we've made it all the way to NPR. Oh no, there's been a couple of people on Twitter because I guess NPR's hiring diversity doesn't match up to the diversity in this country as far as percentage wise like okay there's 26 percent of the population is latino so npr needs to have 26 percent of its employees be latino so that it can be representative i gotta but, i gotta I, I gotta get my resume over there let me, <laughs> let me put that in npr yeah they might be doing some diversity hires man get in on that I'm like, like, when the hell is it gonna work for me, man? <laughs> come on, I gotta, I gotta lean into this shit. <laughs> yeah, come on, you got the right last name. What, what, exactly. what are you doing here? What more do you need? But uh, yeah, so now I guess NPR is just too white, which NPR has always been too damn white. Where have you people been? Do you not understand their demographic? But now apparently, being too white is white supremacy. Mm. Mm-hmm. You hired too many white people, so now you are a tool of white supremacy, even if you are NPR. Right, right. Well, tote bags, that's what you carry <laughs> white supremacy in. You know, you got those mm-hmm. NPR totes. It, it uh, goes right in there, right next to like the organic peppers, you know, the artisanal <laughs> bread, and then the white right. supremacy. That's right. Your booster shots, you get your booster <laughs> shots in there as well. Well, it's, it, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead. Possibly. Yeah, Possibly. Yeah. I it it is funny when you talk about, you know, when we talk about like the sort of the racial or ethnic uh makeup of um you know corporations or businesses and uh trying to get you know quotas, you know, basically mm-hmm. the idea that you know if there's if there's six percent of the country are you know African American women, therefore you need six percent, blah blah blah. But well, what I often find is that it, it doesn't even seem to kind of uh go along with the percentages, you know, it, it seems like, because if it was like that, then there would be so many people you're like, no, we already have the 15% accounted for. We can't hire you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I wonder if people are, are even being honest when it, when it comes to that, you know, it's like, do you really want, you know, you know, your uh, representation according to your, the pop- population, or do you want more than that? Or do you just want people that can do the damn job? Oh, that's crazy. There's no way I'm going to get hired by NPR now. Come on, Jen. Don't ruin this for me. Damn it. I'm sorry. (laughs) If Um, you're listening, NPR, Lou is great. You should hire him. You can be a great diversity hire. You you could also say that you're, you're expanding your political ideology. Look, this is a great hire. That's right. And I can slow things down and speak in such a manner (laughs) <laughs> yeah you see he's even got the npr voice yeah i could i could sue I could, I could be a very soothing uh discussion um today in israel blah 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 blah, blah and all that uh well i guess uh you know uh, talking about uh the controversy of of transgenderism and, and and all that is is that offensive now too transgenderism it sounds like an ideology if you say transgenderism as opposed to i don't know what other what other word you would use for that I don't know either. So we'll just go with that one. I mean, I guess, well, I mean, it's not, well, it's not supposed to be an ideology, but it seems to be an ideology for quite a few people, Hmm. including people that just want to be mad on the internet for 
reasons that aren't quite discernible, or they just decided that they don't like Harry Potter anymore. Yeah. So they had a JK Rowling. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. And there's, that's why a lot of people don't want to touch that topic because it just, it's, it's inviting trouble. It's right. just inviting trouble. Well, I mean, when it comes to, to trouble, I guess, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle is probably at, it's like Dave Chappelle and JK Rowling are the two, I guess, you know, lightning rods when it comes to, you know, um, transgender issues. And, and recently Dave Chappelle was, uh, thrown under the bus, uh, by a friend of apparently 34 years in mm-hmm. Patton Oswalt, who decided to throw Dave Chappelle under the bus that Rosa Parks refused to sit in the back of. He just threw, <laughs> he just tossed him under. Um, I know that that you cover this on, on one of your uh, one of your one of your episodes. And mm-hmm. what, what's your what's your take on this whole thing? I mean, this whole thing, I, I don't understand wanting to throw a friend under the bus for the sake of some random stranger on the internet. Like who the fuck are you? I don't know you. I know this guy for 34 years. You're some stranger on the internet. Why do I care what you think? Let alone, am I going to sit here and like stage this photograph of me concentrating very hard writing this 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 very heartfelt apology. I, I wrote it all out on the legal pad. You see my picture. I wrote it down. And it's like, it's all, it's so fucking stupid. And it's almost, I mean, I, I don't think Oswald did it on purpose, but I mean, you know what's going to happen if you post a picture of yourself with Dave Chappelle. People are going to lose their shit and you pretty much have to just tell them, go away. Like, this mm. is my friend. But no, you wanted to do this very, very, <laughs> actually rather hilarious apology. I called it him having main character syndrome because he basically managed to make this whole thing about him right. and about how, you know, I, I don't want to abandon him as a friend because I, I have so much guilt about all the other friends I abandoned for their <laughs> views. And what if... I had just stayed in their life. Maybe I could have, maybe they wouldn't have gone off the deep end. It's like, dude, who the fuck do you think you are? Right. <laughs> but, but it's like, it, it's sad and cringy. And I like, I don't, I haven't seen anywhere where Chappelle has addressed it. I mean, if mm. I was him, I wouldn't either. I would just keep it moving. I mean, now you, you know what you know, and you can decide what you want to do about that friendship. But, right. but I mean, that's just, it's so fucking ridiculous. Like you posted a selfie of yourself and your friend for 34 years who very kindly invited you over to perform at his New Year's Eve function, which was much larger than Pat Oswald's New Year's Eve function. Like he did you a solid. Like he said, come on over, come just do a pop-up set. And he did. And yeah. like, what, I, it's just so stupid. And, you know, um, you know, just thinking about it, I wonder and this for and everybody out there, right? Like, just imagine like how many people out there, like how long have you been friends with like your best friend, Yeah, you know, like 34 years, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 40 um, next month in February, mm-hmm. right? 34 years. If I was, a, if I was a, fr- that would mean that I was friends with someone since I was six. Now, obviously these guys are, are much older. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, I have such a high, I put such a high value in friendship and for those 
who I love, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe loyalty and stuff like that gets in the way or can get in the way. But man, at some point you really do have to say like, look, uh, th- this is my friend and I love him and fuck the world. You know, this is my, this is my guy, you know? Yeah. Like, who are you to tell me what my friend thinks? Like, I think I might know him a little better than you do. Mm. So I'm like, it's just, it's just dumb. I'm like, when are you people going to just learn to tell people to fuck off? Yeah. Like, well, well, and that's, what's funny too, is, is like, um, and something I, I, I said about cancel culture is like cancel culture, uh, will demand that you shun people who have treated you kindly in exchange for people who will one day treat you like garbage. And if you look at, at the, at the responses to that Pat Oswalt post on, on Instagram, it's all of these, you know, uh, allies or, you know, trans allies who are basically saying, ew, you're still gross. I can't believe you're still friends with him. Um, how dare you? I would, you know, drop him like a, like a bad habit and all that. So here you are trying to appease people who you have, you, there is no way you could ever appease them. You know, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, there's no credit in the bank of social credit. Right. Like you, you don't, there's no balance in there. There's nothing saved up. You don't earn anything. There's no cash back. There's no bonus points. There's no nothing. It's, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if Pat Oswald's been a LGBTQA plus, I think <laughs> I said that right. ally for however long he's been that it doesn't matter to these people because you took a picture with your friend of 34 years who happens to be dave Chappelle, and so now all that goes out the window it's like there's no these people don't love you they don't Mm -hmm. care about you they don't even know you so why why torture friendship over these people like i don't get it yeah and you know what what really uh what what pissed me off about it was that there was a there was one line in particular, or or a couple of sentences uh, in the in the piece that he piece I don't even know what you call that his IG post, yeah, where he was implying that Dave Chappelle doesn't want trans people to be safe in the world, um, and uh, yeah I, f- I forget what the line was exactly, but it, he was. He he said he said that he and Dave Chappelle disagree one hundred percent on on this issue, and it's like uh, it's like look you could uh, you know you could have a problem with the jokes that your friend is telling you could mm-hmm. definitely say like look man that that's insensitive or I don't I just I don't see that uh, see it the same way I believe you know trans women are women et cetera et cetera but the idea that Dave Chappelle doesn't want trans people to be safe in the world is fucking ridiculous. I think it's so gross. And I, I don't know if it, if, if it's this, um, this go-to thing now where it's this rhetorical device where I can't just disagree with you. I also have to make it seem as though you do not, you want to make an unsafe environment for, you know, for the people, for my allies. Um, and I, I that's the thing that really just, just fucking bugged me. Yeah. Especially since Dave Chappelle has never said anything of the sort I mean, he had trans friends. He told the story at the end of the closer and not that, you know, my trans friend is like an excuse for anything, but yeah, I mean, he's never said that he has an issue with trans people existing or that he doesn't want them to be able to exist safely or be able to live their lives however they want to do it. 
But that's kind of the bell that everybody rings because that's that emotional bell. It's like, oh, you don't want these people to be safe. You don't want trans people to be safe. You don't want women to be safe. You don't want gay people to be safe. You don't want whoever to be safe. You frame it in that way because that makes that person look like like you're some kind of evil monster mm. when you didn't say anything of the sort. But you know that by framing it that way, other people are going to pick up on that and run with it who may not necessarily ever bother to find out what actually was or was not said. All you know is you heard a bunch of people on the internet say that Dave Chappelle doesn't want trans people to be safe or that Dave Chappelle thinks trans people shouldn't exist. Without ever bothering to go and hear what he said, you just saw that because you saw people you like saying it or famous people saying it or whoever saying it. And you just run with that. And that's why people do it is because it rings that particular emotional bell of making it sound like, oh, you want people to die. Like nobody mm. said anything about anybody dying. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed, but like, I think I've watched the last probably three or four Dave Chappelle specials solely because of the controversy that that was raised because of what I was hearing about them. I was like, well, now I got to go watch it. And, and now I'm not knocking. That's not a knock on Dave Chappelle, whatever. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> I got, a, I got a lot of shit on my mind, yeah. a lot of stress on my mind. And I'm even at the point where like, I have so much like stress and shit on my mind that the idea of even cooling out and watching a legendary comedian doesn't even relieve any of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I I came to watch the closer as I as I watched the other uh, specials because I was like, wait, I'm hearing a lot of talk about this, and I have a feeling that uh, people aren't being honest about what's actually being said. And I watched the special. Uh, I laughed a bunch because there's a lot of funny shit in it. I think it was a little. Um, it, I think it was a little um, kind of self-referential because that's the nature of it of the, you know, mm -hmm. Chappelle over the past, however many years dealing with this, uh, you know, with this controversy. Um, but uh, coming to the, you know, the final story that he told uh, the closer, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant story. I thought uh, it was, it was dark. It was sad. It was also hopeful. And it was, uh, there were um, there were jokes in it. Like, I, I mean, for those of you who, who haven't seen it yet, I mean, he, Dave's talking about a uh, a person who became a good friend of his, who was a, a trans woman, who later committed suicide. And just imagine, just, just you know, take that my shitty log line, and now mm -hmm. say like, okay, now you got to make that funny. And um, I think he did a, a a really amazing job in making it funny and making it bringing humanity to it, and um, and I think that, you know, that's the mark of somebody who is a master of his craft. Um, so I'm glad that uh, that eventually I got around to, to watching it, even, you know, even with the, the controversy. Um, and I, I, how do you feel about it? And, you know, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Or I liked it. And I did like that story. And ultimately, it made me really sad because the, the circumstances were, I mean, she went up, she did the set. She totally fucking bombed. Which was which was great, it, which is one of the most fun, the funniest thing because Dave reminds you every like couple of <laughs> every few minutes that she sucks so bad when she's first started in stand up. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, like she just got there, completely bombed it after Dave Chappelle like gives you this slot. Like that's yeah. that's the dream. And so she goes up there, she totally bombs it. But then afterwards, <laughs> she's backstage with Dave and all of his friends, and she's killing it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, wait, it's not that you're not funny, it's just you're not funny on stage. And and he kind of tells in the story after that that he was like, you know, I'll, you're you're actually funny. Like I'll I'll help you. I'll work with you. I'll I'll try to coach mentor you. you. Yeah, yeah, to be better on stage. But then after it came out publicly that she was on stage at the Dave Chappelle show and she did this whole thing, she got well. This is the story, which I, I don't doubt that it's true. That she took so much shit from the trans community that she ended up killing herself. And it's like, it's kind of tragic because it's like, all right, this was somebody who possibly could have lived the dream. I mean, you've got Dave Chappelle willing to mentor you in your stand-up career. Like, like this is it. Like you're in a room with heavy hitters. You're fucking killing it. They're laughing. Like, like you're, possibly about to like live the dream but then this other bullshit happened and she killed herself and i just think that's really shitty it's really sad yeah and it's 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 something where you know obviously um i i want to be uh careful not to say you know she killed herself because of you know this reason i mean she was obviously you know facing Oh, there's a lot going on and, and who knows what, you know, her struggle was. She has a, a do- she had a daughter, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, plays into the, the story um, uh, at the end. Um, but th- there is, you know, there, there is something to, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a, a, as I've gotten older and just seeing like just how delicate life is mm-hmm. and how quickly, you know, things change and, mm-hmm. th- and things are, you know, things are gone. Um, but yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't been, I guess a little, a little fucked up in a little while from a, from a, from a, from a good story, you know, Mm -hmm. from, from something like that, that really made me sort of look inward, not only at myself as a, you know, as a person, but also as a, as a comedian, someone who, um, you know, gets an opportunity every now and then to get up on stage and, and, uh, and talk to an audience, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it kind of also is an example of how fragile mental health can be, because I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure she left that gig feeling great like feeling super good about herself. And then something happened between there and her killing herself that led to her killing herself. Like it, it it can be something just like that quick. And that's, it's, it's rough, especially when you already struggle with mental health issues of how, like how delicate it is and how you kind of really do. It's, it's, it can all go really fast. Yeah. And and that's an aspect too of, you know, of this issue that is often brought up. It's, uh, you know, the, the high suicide rate of, of, of transgender people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's awful, you know, ju- just hearing that, but then it, but I, I've seen it often used as sort of as a, you know, as, as a, as a weapon, it's weaponized yeah. to be like, well, you, if you, um, you know, if you do not um, abide and abide by, you know, their pronouns or, or affirm, I guess it is, mm-hmm. if you don't affirm, yeah. then you are partly responsible f- if they go and, and do and, and, and harm themselves. And it's like, oh man, that's a very manipulative thing, you know, to be, to be using. And I, I think mm-hmm. it, it's, um, I think it definitely, uh, 
um, takes takes away from I don't know. It cheapens, I think, you know, the struggles that these people are going through. Yeah, because I mean, it is a serious issue, and I mean, I'm sure having gender dysmorphia is difficult, and I'm yeah. sure that does fuck with you, and I'm sure having to make those kinds of decisions about how you want to live your life and how you want to present yourself and how just even making the decision that, you know, I'm going to transition and I'm going to live my life as this other gender. That's hard. Like I imagine that comes with a lot of mental struggle and a lot of mental pain. And like you said, cheapening it like that, it's just really crass and manipulative. And it doesn't address the fact that, yeah, there, this is hard. And these people, I mean, I I say they have mental issues. I don't mean that to say that it's a bad thing, but that of course you go through that experience in your life. It's bound to kind of like fuck you up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And maybe instead of trying to turn it into the, this thing to beat people over the head with, maybe look at it in a little more gentle and concerned way and say, okay, well, what can we honestly do to help these people? Not like, run around and make everybody use everybody's pronouns. Cause ultimately that's not going to help. Like if somebody is struggling mentally using their correct pronouns is not going to fix the issue. I, I wish mental health struggles were that easy to fix, hmm. but it's just, it's this, everything just gets flattened out and two dimensional and it kind of robs people of their individuality and their sort of autonomy and the acknowledgement that, each person, including each transgender person, is an individual person with their own struggles and are not just some avatar for your cause or just to do whatever it is that you want to do. Like these are actual people. They're not like objects or just like things that kind of exist sort of in a murky area of not being a real human. Mm. I wonder, I do wonder if Patton Oswald is going to have to transition now. I don't like, know. If he if he sort of set himself up where it's like, all right, dude, you know, you angered a lot of people on both sides. You angered a lot of fans of Chappelle. <laughs> you angered you angered a lot of trans people. The only way for you to win that back is to win them back over is to go all the way. So or he, or he could just come out as queer. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I've see? thought about that. I've thought about coming out as queer. Because you don't have to do anything. You no, just, I, I'm not even quite sure what it means anymore. Yeah. It used I mean, to be a put down, right? Back I mean, it, it used to mean that you were a homosexual male or a, a lesbian female, but now you can be queer and not be either one of those things. To, to, um, be, to be fair, it used to be to, you could be a straight guy who cares about how you dress and people would call you a queer too. And oh, no. And then you were just a metrosexual. You remember that? Yeah. Well, yes. What, what <laughs> happened with the metrosexuals? What happened? I think they all became queer. They all became queer. It's like all these guys who just look, I'm just really into moisturizing. And and now suddenly they have to, you know, they're put into this box, you know, this yeah. metrosexual box. Well, see, I don't I don't even know if you can do that anymore because you know, skincare that codes female. And you know, if you do things that don't code to your your assigned gender, that means that you're not that gender. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy how we've regressed you know, back, uh, back there. That's really mm-hmm. fucked. Yeah. That's one of the things that really bothers me about that whole conversation is just like <laughs> the buying into these ultra strict traditional gender roles that say like, okay, if you do X, Y, Z, if you want to go 
if your daughter wants to go play with the Lincoln Logs, then she's secretly a boy. Like, no, she's just a girl that wants to go play with Lincoln Logs. It ain't that deep. Yeah, I have a I have a nephew, and his grandparents bought him a, I guess like a Malibu Barbie, like a pink uh, kind of RV, oh. you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my wife asked me, she's like, if uh, you know, if it gets to the point where our son you know, wants a pink Malibu Barbie RV or, you know, are you okay with that? And I said, hell no. And she said, she said, why? What if he's gay? And I'm like, I don't care if he's gay, but he's not a chick. So, so that's, that's how evolved I am. That's how progressive I am where I'm cool with my son being gay, but he's not a chick. All right. I mean, he may not even associate that with being female. He just may like the color pink. Who knows? knows? He just thinks it's like a cool, like a cool truck thing, like like the little Tonka trucks. It's just pink and Barbie. We will cross that bridge when we get there. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so I'm in I'm in Jersey. Uh, you're in. Uh, are you are you cool telling the the oh, yeah, state that you're okay? Yeah, it's fine. I'm in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. Because some sometimes like I've had um, friends on and. And they're like, I don't want to reveal too much information oh. because of oh, nut I mean, cases online. You know? It's in my Twitter bio. It's that's public knowledge. Yeah. Or, or they don't want to tell me. They're like, yeah, Lou, I'm, I, you're my friend and all, but I really don't want you to I know. I don't want anything. you to know where I live. Yeah, or anything like that. Are you uh, born and raised in Atlanta? Nope. Born and raised in South Florida. I moved up here about 15 years ago now. Nice. It's and- so weird to hear you say moved up here to Atlanta because I'm in I'm in the north I'm in I'm in New Jersey yeah, so North everything is just moved down. down yeah 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 no I actually went up and I like it here but I'm kind of I'm kind of at the point in my life where I'm like I can technically within reason financially live about wherever I want so nice. if I move from here well I mean I my job is portable so I can I I can I don't really have to worry about if I move, but I got to go find another job, which is usually the thing that keeps people from moving because then you got to figure out all those logistics. So I'm kind of thinking like, I don't know. I'm going to go like look at some places. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. This year. I the, the, the thing about 2022 is the one thing we learned from 2021 is don't make plans for anything. Mm. Just don't because they're going to get ruined. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I, I don't know what people are doing with the whole Omicron thing. I, things have been pretty much the same as they've been down here in Georgia, but I know in a lot of other places are kind of starting to freak out. I don't know if they're doing lockdowns. Right. People are bringing back the masks. It's like it's. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I keep hearing more and more. You know, family members and friends testing positive mm-hmm. for it, but they're doing okay. Um, yeah, they're you know. Uh, you know, a lot of them saying like, yeah, I got a, you know, sore throat and it kind of sucks, but you know, overall I'm doing okay. And I think that that's yet another example of, you know, sort of what's, what's happened here in the country where it's like, you know, it's something to be happy about. I think that, you know, we finally got to a variant that, you know, isn't taking yeah. people out like the other ones were. And, you know. Yeah. I've had a lot of people that I know test positive and it's been like the same thing where either they're completely asymptomatic or they're like, yeah, it kind of sucked for a couple of days. And then there's some people like, yeah, it kind of sucked for like a week. And so it's like, yeah, it, it kind of seems kind of the way that like the flu affects people differently. This is affecting vaccinated people differently. But 
if it's a situation, especially once like we, we get that the therapeutics online, the at home ones, the ones from Pfizer, I know they just got the e, the uh, EUA on that, the emergency use authorization. So once this gets to a point where like, okay, I think I have COVID. Okay, I go, I do an at-home test, I test positive, all right, then I'll call the doctor, go get a PCR, and then get a script for some pills to take at home. I, I'm not I'm not altering my life for that anymore. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, if I can just treat it, like, I can't even go and do that for the cold. Like, I can't go to the doctor and get tested for the cold and get some pills to get rid of the cold. Oh, yeah, so is that orange can, juice? Yeah, just get some orange juice, some soup. Yeah. But yeah, when it becomes something like that, where it's just entirely manageable, if I do get it, then yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing a reason to continue to do anything over and above just normal precautionary stuff. Like I just, I'm not, I mean, and we're there. Like if you're vaccinated, you don't have a lot to worry about with COVID right now. And like, I know for a fact after I got my first round, my two shots, I was exposed to somebody who had Delta. And I felt absolutely nothing. Not, not a not a twinge, not a sneeze, not a cough, nothing. So I, I feel pretty good about my vaccine working correctly. Mm. It's done pretty well so far. And I have gotten the booster shot. So, I mean, I, I'm fairly confident that if I do get it, it's going to be one of the mild cases and I can kind of work around that. It's not something that's going to put me in the hospital. It's I'm going to die. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to basically at this point, just treat it like another illness that I have to worry about seasonally and just keep on, keep on keeping on. Like I don't like, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to disappear. So you either learn to live with it or you just keep skipping holiday seasons. I don't know. Yeah. The, one of the weird things that that's happened is, um, you know, since so much attention has been um, paid to, to COVID is that you forget mm-hmm. that there are other sicknesses. There are other things out there that you can catch. And that that's what happened with, with my family that our whole, um, all four of us came down with mm-hmm. a, you know, RSV, which is a, a respiratory virus. And um, it sucks. Like it, it, it really sucks no, no matter what age you are, but the younger you are, like it's dangerous. So my, mm-hmm. my youngest was, uh, um, we had to, you know, take him to the emergency room. He was a nine week, mm-hmm. you know, nine weeks old. And it's like, you have to monitor him and, and, and all that. And, you know, it's like, how is that even possible? I thought the only thing out there was this <laughs> COVID thing, but you're telling me that there are viruses they're scabs, you know, they're not in the COVID union and no. they are, you know, they're, they're breaking, uh, you know, they're, they're breaking crossing the, the picket line. Yeah. Crossing the picket line and going in and infesting, uh, you know, infecting people. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's just like, th- there were so many times where it was just, you know, having, getting my ass kicked by like, you know, I, I had some, there was this one week where I had this pain in my lower back and it was all up my spine and, and I take a test. No, no COVID. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm sick. It has yeah. to be COVID. When am I getting this thing? Just, <laughs> come on. Come at me, man. Um, where, uh, so, uh, well, you know, you're in a, uh, it must be an exciting, you know, position to be in where you have so many opportunities, so many places that you'd, uh, that you can go. Do you have a, like, sort of a bucket list? Is there a place where you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I could spend some time there, like, uh, you know, 
Well, I mean, the the dream would be to live in New York City, but to do that, I'd have to live in a shoebox and share mm. a bathroom with like four people. So that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like DC, but again, that's I mean, financially speaking, we're not talking all that much cheaper than New York City. But right, right. Mainly, I just like I want to move. I, I would stay on the East Coast, definitely. Mm-hmm. Maybe move a little further north just because like, all my friends are in D.C. and New York City. So maybe moving a little closer to them, I can see them a little more often. But that's all kind of up in the air. But, yeah, so it's like I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> stay away from winter up north. I'm mm. deal- We're dealing with it right now. We're kind of uh, – we're, we're all, you know, sort of getting over our illnesses and there's snow, but it's not, it's not fun snow because it's really, it just sucks. It's so cold and we're just kind of like stuck indoors and mm-hmm. rebreathing the same, <laughs> the, the same air. Germy air. Yeah, the same germy air. Like what's the next virus that's going to, uh, that's going to hit us. It, it would be wonderful to be in a position where it's like, uh, oh, cold months. All right, I'm getting out of here. We're going, you know, we're going somewhere where it's, uh, you know, not 70 degrees all the time or something like that. Well, you can always do what everyone else is doing and move to Florida or Texas. Right. I've been, yeah, I've been, see, been seeing a lot of that. A lot, very humid in Florida. Very, the humidity, you know, that's what gets you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. And the hurricanes, those are not fun. When you, when you get to go without power for a week after a hurricane mm. and it's extremely humid outside because everything is wet because you just yeah. had a hurricane. Yeah, I grew up with that. It was not fun. But overall, I mean, South Florida is fun. I mean, you could do Central or North Florida. Like I know a lot of people are doing like Austin's become very trendy. Right. Like, Dallas is kind of trendy, but you, you could always move south. I want to go where the metrosexuals have retired to. I want to go to that town. I want to see that town. I think that's Miami. All right. Well, then Miami it is. That's where where we're going to go. Jen, uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining me. And before we leave, uh, please uh, plug away and uh, let us know where where we can see your stuff. Okay. Well, I'll start with the podcast, um, Ambitious Crossover Attempt. You can find that on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon slash Audible. Uh, there's a couple of other smaller platforms it's on too. If you poke around, uh, we are still working on YouTube, but we will be doing that soon. Um, for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe. You can find me at Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. You can occasionally find me on Instagram at Jen the Libertarian. I do post there occasionally, not a lot because I don't like taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that a about sums that up. Don't don't take any selfies with Dave Chappelle. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Again, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review. That would be lovely. Keep your eye out for my book, my forthcoming book. That joke isn't funny anymore. And please sign up for my newsletter at theluperez.com. And if you want to support my work, join the Lou Perez community on Locals. That's theluperez.locals.com. You'll get access to all my stuff before anybody else as well as exclusive content and of course me be sure to support my sponsors palomaverdecbd.com use promo code lou for 25% off purchases over $75 and black organic cold brew blvckbrew.com promo code lou for free shipping free shipping okay i'm going to keep that in <laughs>